0: Robin, Steve here for another exciting episode of the N64U podcast, coming at you with high end amateur reviews and scoring for all your favorite and unknown N64 titles. Today in episode two, we will be taking a look at the Rush trilogy of racing games and see not only how well they play at the time, but how well they stand up in today's day and age.
1: That is right, Steven. Uh, w- when we speak about the Rush series, of course, we're talking about three games The first game is San Francisco Rush Extreme Racing. Game two is Rush 2 Extreme Racing USA. And game three is San Francisco Rush 2049.
0: You know, it's so funny with this particular series, this game always hit me uh, as a kid. My brother and I growing up, we actually had the first San Francisco Rush uh, Extreme Racing game. And honestly, until we decided to sit down and do this podcast, I never had realized that the whole name of that particular game was San Francisco Rush Extreme Racing. When you look back at the cartridge, the only thing I could ever remember was just saying in huge, bold letters, Rush. And every time I hear it, too, I can just think of that sound. Yeah. It's the, it's, the, oh yeah, the, the rush. Exactly. Is that what you're talking exactly. About?
1: Well, yeah, it's the most important word in, in the whole title. So I, I get why that's what you remember. And they have a real sleek, sharp way of saying it, you know, that in their oh, countdown yeah. from three, two, one. Oh yeah. It gives me, uh, it gives me chills at the hair standing on my arm when I hear it.
0: You know, uh, These other two games that they actually came out, I, I truly, I thought there was only, this was a two game series up up until recently, just discovered that they actually had that third game, uh, which actually was one of the stronger titles, I think in that particular series.
1: Oh yeah, I agree. I think that every game got better. And I think the third game, San Francisco rush 2049 is the, is the uh, piece de resistance
0: Now, me and my background for gaming, I I always was a huge fan of playing different sorts of racing games in particular. And I always felt as though that the N64 in general had a pretty strong uh, like for putting a lot of racing games on their console. You know, maybe it was indicative of that nineties arcade era. You know, you go in, you see titles like Cruising USA, uh, even had NASCAR titles early in N sixty four days. And and for me, the Rush the Rush series, I think, was always one of their strongest fun racing titles for an avid race gamer like myself.
1: Yeah. No no doubt there's I feel like fifty percent of the N64 library was racing titles. There, there are so many of them. And I don't categorize myself personally as a huge racing game fan, which I guess inherently makes me not a big fan of the N64 library. I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't play a lot of racing games, and I certainly didn't play the Rush series as a kid. So I guess I, I get to go into this one with a lot more of an objective feel and and less of the nostalgia factor
0: i do think that that really helps because uh playing through these games you can definitely see at least on the initial go through for me the one specific one that i played the san francisco rush extreme racing um Game that one in particular that was so early on that N64 run, you can really tell, especially visually, their graphics in the background. You can really tell it's one of those early games. Some of the graphics there, and I, I don't recall what year uh, Torok came out, but a lot of the graphics and how they were structured reminded me a lot of the that like early style game, like the background in Torok, the same, very flat, a lot of it blends in, a lot of like beige colors. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that I got to say when I when I popped in that first rush game and I played it, I I don't want to say I was mad, but I was definitely very upset with how it looked. Like my first impressions were were very negative.
0: You could only imagine my disappointment when I pulled it on. I was like, I, I even <laughs> talked it up. I, I feel like I was a big seller on making this this series our next one. And I was basing it solely off of that first game. And even me, I pulled out that first game and I was like, whoa, this is like bare bones rough. You do not see a lot of <laughs> games nowadays that have that sort of like just very flat, bland background. But I do think they had a really good concept here. Good enough that they continued on to make two more games, which... I didn't play until now as an adult, and I can say for me, I actually think the two games—it makes me wish I almost had those games back when I was a kid. They were so much fun. I, I really enjoyed them as someone again who likes a lot of racing games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was, I was, uh, I, I was pleased the the further I got in, which is really what you would hope out of a, a well-made series or a trilogy. You'd expect every game to get better, hopefully. Uh, Instead of it getting worse or remaining stagnant. So there definitely were some really solid improvements. And I think this is a a great opportunity to segue into talking about our, uh, our categories. Could you remind our beautiful audience what those
0: categories are, Stephen? Of course, of course. So our categories, as we know, are mechanics first, which is more or less how the game is structured. Then we have gameplay, which is how does the game play through that existing structure. Then of course we have difficulty, which I do find to be a very important uh, factor because you always want to know what type of game you're going to get into and what level of a challenge you're really up for. Story not really applicable here in this particular situation. So for this week's episode, we will be removing that from our calculations this week. Um, Visual presentation, which I actually think is going to be a very important category here. Basically, the background design, the stage design, the the character or quote-unquote cars in this game. Uh, Sound design as well. Um, You know, what kind of music are they bringing to the table? How effective is it appearing in this series? And then modern-day appeal, one of our most important categories because you really want to know... Are you interested in playing this game today, especially when we're in a world where we're seeing N64 games come back, even on the Switch currently? You really want to know, do I want to play this game? Do I want to invest my time now?
1: Absolutely. Great synopsis, Stephen. With that, I guess let's, let's get into talking about the mechanics of San Francisco Rush. So I, I got to say it's, it's a racing game, so it's, it's, your, it's your standard racing fare. You got your track, you got your car, and you drive that car on your track to the finish line. And uh, that's, that's it. You can play, there's a practice mode, there's a single race mode, you can do a circuit of a bunch of races and even a, a death race, uh, specifically talking about the, the first game. I think that's the only game you can do that, where if you crash and explode, you, you actually, you're, you're out of the race. So it, it incentivizes you to almost play it safe so that you don't uh, explode and ultimately lose the race.
0: I do think this game, as a, this game series as a whole really does fit in terms of structure, that classic arcade game feel. Like, I think going back to the beach as a kid, we'd go to uh, the arcade with Skee-Ball and everything, and I also think about getting into that, like, car seat, you know, hands on the wheels, my brother sitting next to me, racing that same exact game. And I feel as though that this, this series really identified well with that arcade feel. From the checkpoints giving you more time, you know, as you go through the course so that you don't end early to the destruction of the car to the actual circuit racing feature itself. I do think it does fit in well with that era of games. And for that early nineties timeline, when this came out, um, I do think they did a good job, all things considered for it being a relatively basic style of game. You know, the formula for a racing game, we all know, you know, we've seen it, we've played it, we've done it a million times, but I do think, Overall, it does give you a good structure here in this particular series.
1: Yeah, and and the reason that it it has that arcade vibe is uh, two of these three games were originally arcade games. the The first game, San Francisco Rush: Extreme Racing, and then the last game, Rush twenty forty nine. Uh, those those games were initially released to the arcade by Atari Games and were later ported to the N64 by Midway, the same developer that brought us Mortal Kombat and Rampage and uh, and I think the NFL Blitz series they did. Uh, The only game that was not initially an arcade game was Rush 2, which was actually a N64 original.
0: So yeah, you definitely get those arcade vibes that's wild to me, you know, I think, you know, hearing you list off all those Midway games too, I find it fascinating the range that they had. Clearly they had a specialty of that, like our ar- arcade zone in that style of game, you know, um, interesting to see the range that they have there have from racing games to sports games to everything. It's, it's, it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Uh, Midway had a, a lot of success in both arcades and consoles. So that, that's uh that's pretty impressive. You don't always
0: sometimes you only get one or the other. That's totally true. You really rarely nowadays see someone that is pumping out high-end arcade games alongside a great um at-home gameplay version as well.
1: Yeah. And uh so so speaking of mechanics, one thing that I I really enjoyed about this game is that you uh, speaking of the first game in particular, you they introduce the ability to change the number of laps and the difficulty level and you can turn off deaths and you can change the number of players. And that I felt like went a long way because we'll, we'll talk about it more in the difficulty section, but this, this game is pretty hard. The computers are, are difficult, at least for me. Maybe I'm
0: just, maybe I really suck, but no, I actually, I completely agree with you, you know? Um, I actually do think that first game is, is structured the strongest in terms of a more difficult game. And I do think because a lot of these games tend to have a lot of the same feel, no matter who has created this particular race game, I do think that they did a good job in making it a little more interesting, um, set up on how you approach a, a, a race game.
1: Yeah. Uh, a- another kind of gripe that I had was that the, the game, the, the races felt too long, especially in the first game where the gameplay is really, uh, the, you know, there's, there's not really much going on. I, I found that the, the laps just dragged on and on. So the ability to change the number of laps to uh, a lower number would went a long way in terms of improving my enjoyment of the game.
0: I actually really agree with you. I think uh, in terms of the first game, especially, I actually do think a lot of the maps um, to go through the circuit are quite lengthy for the first game. Um, Part of why I felt it was lengthy does relate to a lot of its visual visualizations in that particular first game. I just felt like it was very weak, very bland. So you're not even looking at anything interesting or there's not much variation in that particular level to make it interesting for that length of a race. Right. And... It it the it definitely improves as
1: the series goes on. Um, they in terms of the mechanics, you know, when we're talking about say uh, San Francisco Rush twenty forty nine, the third game, they introduce vehicle customization, so you can change your tires and your engine and your frame size and and all of that. And it the you know the tracks are more interesting and the controls are better. And ultimately, the 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 overall feel of the game just in, improves with each subsequent game. Uh, they eventually introduce, I think, in the second game, they introduced the stunt course. So, and if you if you ask people about this game, you know, I I was lurking on Reddit trying to understand how people felt about this game because initially, I did not have I had a pretty lukewarm feel about this game and i still kind of do i I was curious what people thought and everyone's always talking about all the fun they had with the stunt courses and uh uh, by introducing the stunt course in the second game as a uh playable default course it, it went a long way in 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 giving some more variety to the to the game
0: i agree and i think it shows strong growth um from Midway and how they actually change it from game to game. Because if they just pumped out, if they pumped out that version, the second one in particular, without that stunt course for me, I actually think you basically have the same game with slight visual improvements, you know? So I I actually do think the stunts, the stunts really change how you play that game and make it far more enjoyable longer. The
1: stunt courses are in the first game too, but they are hidden tracks. So you have to, veer off the course and drive into this uh you know way off the track and th- you'll you'll stumble into this stunt track but the problem is you're still technically in a race so if you the second you uh land on your backside and explode you're you're removed from the stunt track which is going to happen within the first one or two jumps you do you're going to explode <laughs> Pretty so much immediately. it's not really like it's yeah, it's it's not it's not very playable. So they introduce it in the second game as a, a playable course where, if you explode, then you you're still in the in the uh, stunt course itself.
0: I actually think um, that kind of gives us a great segue into the next category of gameplay. Um, I speaking to a lot of these like explosion features in this particular game. I actually think. If you're into that type of racing game where there is a lot of explosions, now I'm a person that loved, in terms of much later games, like I loved the Burnout series. I would say to this day, I think that's the greatest racing series that has come out. And one of the best aspects of that game is the explosion feature. I do think Rush series as a whole was the first racing game to really push in terms of gameplay, introducing an element of a car taking damage, a car that can explode. You know, making it a part of like, you know, I'm racing against this computer I can't beat him, so I'll run him off the road. I really do think it changes the gameplay significantly and how they incorporated this feature.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I I enjoy that aspect of the game quite a bit and it allows or what I sh- what I should say is it it keeps you from driving like a maniac as well. You know, you have to be Agreed. when you go off your Agreed. jumps. You have to make sure you're going straight. If you're angled too much, you're going to crash into a bunch of buildings and explode. So it, it was a good, uh, it, it was it. It's a good dynamic for the game, and also it's just plain hilarious when you it is. when you it go is off a so jump. It is. so funny. And, uh, yeah, when when you go off a jump and you and you flip and just explode, it's it. I at a minimum, I'm smiling. At a oh. maximum, I'm
0: laughing uproariously. I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I, as a kid, you can see why, like, 10-year-old me would have loved that type of game. It's like, oh, my God, explosions for the first time in my life. I need this. You know, <laughs> I, I do think it, it adds, because, you know, like 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 we said, you know, so many racing games have that just circular feature. You know, you're going around and around, you're bumping off walls, and you're getting back on course. This one actually has some consequences to it. And I think the way they designed it, too, uh, in terms of gameplay, is interesting, because... You could crash and explode and sit there for a few seconds and wait on the race, or you can click the up C button and it basically is a feature designed that allows you to instantly heal your car and like jump right back into the race. I actually think that design is critical to the gameplay because so many other games, if you just exploded and started off exactly where you are, you're still trapped in like a dead corner of the map. This actually allows you to stay on course and actually complete the game while being a little reckless.
1: Yeah, I I like that feature a lot, actually, because the the problem is when you're when you're flipping over and you're about to explode, it takes up so much time and you're just sitting there like, am I going to explode? Am I not going to explode? You just press that top C button and drags you back into the race. I I, I really like that aspect of it. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And speaking of how this series, I feel like we keep coming back to this, but the series
0: improves game to game. It really did. It was very impressive to see. It's almost like they took some real criticism, I feel, and made conscious efforts to fix huge gaps in each game.
1: Yeah, imagine that. Imagine uh, having glaring faults and then with criticism being like, oh, maybe I should fix this. That's... It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Yeah, but in, in terms of one way that this game improved, the car explosion graphic, the effect gets better with every game until you ultimately get to the third game and you get like a mushroom cloud and it's somehow like it's f- awesome it. in the first game the explosions look bad you know just graphically <laughs> visually they, they don't look good and by the third game they look great and it makes it funnier when you explode when you have the mushroom cloud i like, agree
0: it's super Why dramatic. Why is that mushroom cloud? <laughs> you are right. Like, the first game, it's like a dot of red is on the screen. The second game, it's like, okay, fire and charred car. Third game, mushroom atomic bomb dropped. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a great effect. It really was. Um, the last note that I actually would like to bring up in terms of gameplay, this is... one of the few games that I can actually think I've ever seen some some mechanism like this in terms of smoothing out how you actually race and play this game. And I, for me, think it's an absolutely huge plus. And I can't see why games even today wouldn't have this feature. When you play this game on the left-hand side of the screen the whole time, it keeps basically like a pixelated box. And in that box, they have a white dot that is your car And then it'll show black dots coming up behind you in terms of enemy cars, um, where they're coming up on which side of your car. I actually think in terms of... Playing a racing game, being able to differ, being able to have that behind-the-car viewpoint and a quick access to know where your opponent is going to be, I think adds loads of value into a racing game in terms of gameplay. It makes it much more fun, especially someone for me who really likes a lot of racing games. I think it's a unique way to sort of keep tabs on other players and actually having a good map, uh, uh, easily visible active map to watch.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. If you have someone coming up on you and you have a good map, you can you know, you can adjust accordingly to try to box people out and things like that. So that that is a really nice touch.
0: Uh Rob, do you got anything else for us for gameplay? Any interesting tidbits that you enjoyed?
1: Well, maybe <laughs> I I guess one or thing hated I en- or
0: hated, I understand.
1: <laughs> one thing I enjoyed where the the wonky physics, they're completely unrealistic. They don't make sense. You go at off all. a jump and you you catch the wind like do you just soar through the wind in this game, which is, yeah, you know, it's obviously completely unrealistic, but it became so characteristic of this series, and I'm very happy that it was there because it allowed for those ridiculous, you know, you get this, you catch this this wind, you're in the air and you're like oh man am i going to land am i going to land oh i'm not landing i landed on my back i explode like the the, the I whole the whole entertainment of the, of that aspect of the game wouldn't exist without those physics so that's something i liked something i didn't like at least at first with the controls i don't know about you but in the first game i wasn't able to turn i couldn't figure out a way to power slide around corners and it made the game It just, it made me mad.
0: So I'm a little biased here because this is one of the games I grew up on. So I do feel as though, especially only really playing that first one, my whole childhood, I do think it was an actual design flaw in terms of like, you know, you're so used to playing Mario Kart where you can hop with R and sort of do that power slide. This game, at least in the first one, inherently didn't have that mechanism. So it almost forced you in a position of blowing up more often than not. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree completely. It, it, it was almost, the first game was almost broken to me because of that. It seemed like there was no way you could go fast and also turn
0: you like, you had to pick one or the other. Exactly. And then they have levels where there's like a hard square. So you're more or less trapped into a position where you're just guaranteed to explode.
1: Right. But again, as the games went on, the controls got better. And the second game, I can now power slide around corners, which was exactly. great. I, I don't know why anyone would play, no offense to your childhood, Stephen, I don't know why anyone would play the first game over the
0: second or third no, for but that y- you reason know alone. I could not agree more with you. You know, it's so funny. I, I think back and I, you know, it's one of those situations where I, totally it was my parents bought us one version of Rush and they're like, you already have Rush. We're not buying you Rush 2. We're not buying you Rush 3. So that's clearly (laughs) how that happened. But it's funny, playing now as an adult, I actually strongly agree with you. I played all three now, and I actively loved the second and the third one. I actually thought they were massive, and each one had a big leap, you know? And I still think the second was a very strong game, and, and the third was very strong. The first game was the only one that I think really... Is borderline unplayable in today's day and age?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Don't play the first game. Just don't do it. If I were to give a, an N64U recommendation to our listeners, don't, don't play that one. Play the second one, which is still uh, a great entry, or play the third one, which, in my opinion, is, is the best.
0: It holds up. And I do think it... Allowing for the ability to change up the car type, like the like you can change the wheel type and stuff like that. I feel like that's got to be one of the first games that really offered something like that, and I to me is a big leap in that style of gameplay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, I forget which game they introduced it in, but definitely not the first game, either the second or the third game they introduced car stats, which is is huge in the in the first game it's like oh well this car is a beginner car this is an advanced car this is a intermediate you gotta, car. You gotta, what does it, that even
0: mean in that first game though it's hilarious as they go through each one of those beginner whatever they you hear him scream under the extreme car it's dangerous like there's such <laughs> a a static sound with that to me it like it really brought me back here in that
1: Yeah. Honest. I I hear you. I cracked up in the first game when I picked the hardest difficulty car. It's like, it's dangerous. And you can hear people screaming like bloody murder in the
0: background. So that, that did crack me up. It, It, the sounds in this game were incredible, but we'll get to that shortly. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, maybe we talk about go directly into how difficult this series was as a whole, and maybe even on each individual game level. Um, for me, I don't think that this is like an overwhelmingly difficult game, you know. I think it's the appropriate level of a challenge for a racing game for me. I hate racing games where if you have the computers completely inept, it makes it no fun for me playing it in one player game. Uh, equally, if you're gonna bury me every single level, I also don't have any interest. I like a good middle of the road challenge on these type of games. You know, the model they put forth with the Mario Kart uh, 64, I think, is something similar to how they uh, angled it here in the Rush series. I believe that they ultimately gave you three or four cars in a grouping in a circuit that were the ones you were competing with the whole time. And then the other half of the ra- the, the crowd was inept. Um, I think that's a pretty <laughs> appropriate model that they utilized here and it made it the right level of difficulty for me, which is middle of the road racing game.
1: Yeah. I, in terms of the difficulty, I, I feel like it's fair. At first I was pretty upset. I can't, Win a race. I still have not won a race. I don't think I have. I don't think I have placed higher than third place in any race in any of these games on the easiest setting. So, I I guess with that, it's either that, either I I really suck or this is just not a pick up and play style game. You know, if you if you want to pick up this game and play it against some computers, you're probably going to get your ass kicked. But if you Want to take the time to learn the courses and learn all the turns, then I think that this game is fair in that sense. and i I'm not going to dog the the game for being hard. i I think that as you play it more and more, you're more likely to improve and get better. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I don't think it's unfair,
0: unfairly difficult. I actually think you bring up an excellent point here. I do think you say a pick-up-and-play game. I do think this is one of those games, if you're... This is, I would say, more targeted for your above-average interested person in racing games. Um, I do think... That this sort of caters to someone that likes a lot of, like, I loved playing the old arcade game. So, like, I used to do that for hours as a kid. So, picking up and playing this at my house with my brother was, you know, second nature for me. And so, I would actually really agree with you. I do think this isn't exactly the pick up and play game because quite frankly the difficulty can lie purely in the speed of the game i think it moves at a very fast pace so i i definitely hear and understand you uh in terms of you know it's not normally your type of game that you would pick up and it's off-putting because it is that level whereas like me i think i do a lot of racing games so i'm used to that style so i think if you're going to be into this series it's a lot of like you got some time put in and you're going to enjoy it a lot if if that's your 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 vibe
1: yeah for sure um is there, uh, I, I think that nails the difficulty on the head. I, is there anything else you want to talk about before we talk about the visual? No, 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 no. I actually
0: think, you know, that, that kind of, you know, I think you, 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 you put it perfectly and I think that's, that's great. I am perfect. Um, <laughs> don't, uh, inflate your ego too much. Um, <laughs> So next up, we would normally have story, but we're going to skip this one because this is just not an applicable category for this particular series. So uh, visual presentation. We've delved a little bit into this, and I do think the best way to speak of this is honestly in terms of the growth in each game. The first one was hot garbage. and there's really no denying that. It was just, it's really not worth your time in, in the current day. And visually, I think it's just all bland and melds together. The second one, actually, I think they've done a better job in terms of the actual background, like they give you some like, oh, you're going over a bridge with beautiful ocean in a couple levels. So that kinda nice that's kinda nice. And it makes it similar to a cruising USA vibe for me. And then the third one I think is just like is is great. I think it's absolutely fantastic use of, you know, that time frame of where they were with uh, N64 design in general. Like a lot better backgrounding, um, more effective cars, better options for the cars. So I, I really thought it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, the, the first game, my God, I, like I said earlier, I just got, I got upset playing it. The, the cars and the, the environment, they, they just look janky and dated and, you know, somehow you could play a, a Super Nintendo racer and it would look much better and more pleasing, you know, play some Top Gear or something like that. And it looks better than that game, which is just, it's, it's wrong. When you get to the second game, there is such an improvement. It's still not, it's not perfect, but it is a huge improvement. The cars look better. The environment looks better. Uh, I like that the tracks and the cars have names. So the, the game has a lot of personality in that sense.
0: I do think the visualizations give the game, give each one a lot of personality, especially the second one. I think that that's exactly it. The first one was missing personality.
1: Yeah. And then the third game, Rush twenty forty nine. Uh, it's everything looks great. Everything is better in that game. the The car design, the environments, the menu design is sleeker. It, it just looks like a professional game. It you know it looks like Atari and and Midway are are really trying to. They really want this game to be taken seriously,
0: and and, and it shows. Totally agreed. And. Actually, too, um, it's a good lead into our next category, sound design. Sound design, to me, here in this game, I think, actually, they nailed it um, Yeah. in every game. Even though the first game isn't great, I think the sounds they used to me, you know, definitely a little bias here, but the sounds they used to me, even in the first one, I heard it again now, and it really brought me back, you know, to the... They're going for like a quirky fun type of vibe in general and I don't think they're taking themselves too seriously in 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 any of the music that they use here and I think it it leads you to have that like careless like oh this is a fun not too serious game which is good.
1: Yeah, it it couples well with the the silly explosions.
0: Exactly, exactly. It matches perfectly there and I actually would take this into the second game in particular. I never played the second game as a kid and as an adult listening to it now it's wicked funny because it has that perfect 90 like that 90s error um like bass like weird um i don't know like the synth,
1: there's like the, the bass and like the synthesizer exactly. type sound that's very typical of the nineties that you'd hear in the background of like an in sync song.
0: Exactly. And, and I don't know if you guys ever played or ever, if you ever did Toe Jam and Earl, but that game was, that game was a game I was just stuck on for years. And in the second game in particular, the, like the fast pace, it's like a fast paced version of Toe Jam and Earl's music.
1: Yeah, I. Well, first, I don't know who you're talking about. You guys—is there someone else in here? Are you are you addressing the? Well, the audience I'm talking as a to society. Hopefully, they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I personally have not played Toe Jam and Earl, but I've heard great things, and I've, I've watched some gameplay videos and have heard the music. And yeah, it's definitely got that that like groovy synthy drum and bass kind of thing that's that was super characteristic of the era.
0: Oh, exactly. And I think it just adds to the like comedic factor for that particular racing game.
1: Yeah, it's weird because I feel like the second and the third games really have that drum and bass thing going on. But the first game, they're really going, well, they're they're going for the hard rock thing. They, if one thing that's interesting in regard with regards to the sound design is in every game, you can go into the menu And you can listen to every track in the game and you can choose one particular track if you like it more or you could, uh, in the third game, you have the option to pick like grunge music or like danceier music. So you can pick like a genre, but the first game, it's like all hard rock songs, which is, it's pretty cool, you know, like ZZ top style guitar riffs, but, the problem is the music quality in the first game is just so low it's it sounds like uh like subpar super nintendo music the the vibe and the vibe
0: is there and the concept is there a piece of the issue i find there with the first one in particular is I also think the sound levels of like the car are so much louder than the background music that it blurs it out almost, because you hear the revving of the engine the whole time you're racing in all of these games. And I think at some points in the first game in particular, it almost overtakes the background music.
1: Yeah, I, I, I didn't notice that, but I, I believe it. Uh, the one thing I will say that I loved about the music of the first game is after the race, when you got the uh, the song for inputting your initials. It's like, what's your name? I love that they carried that through. (laughs) Well, yeah. So they they carried that into the second game. The same exact song plays in the second game, but they took it out of the third game. It wasn't in Rush 2049. Which is a crime
0: to not have that all the way the entirety of that series. You know, I actually started when I came back and circled back to this series. I actually started with the second one. I didn't want to jump into the first one just because I knew what to expect. So I jumped in with the second one. And then the first time I completed the race, I heard that I was like, holy crap. I hope this is all of them. It
1: it really I agree. It is a crime that it wasn't in the third one. But I understand why they didn't do it, because the third game, the music quality increases. It's it's outrageous how high quality the third game is in comparison even to the second one. Yeah. And, and like the, like I was saying earlier, the menu looks better as well that you can tell that they're trying to, uh, be taken more seriously in the third game. They really wanted to make a hit with the third game and you can't make a hit video game. That's taken
0: seriously when you have that,
1: what's your name song I- planned.
0: I actually really agree. I I think you are right. They went for a much more professional sound and feel in the third game. And, you know, when I hear that, that what's your name thing to me, that's indicative of an arcade environment thing. Like that whole sound effect to me, I can just imagine being in a bowling alley and like sitting at the arcade with that sound coming up. So I think they kind of wanted to eliminate to me in the third game, some of the arcade feel and make it more of an in-home console feel.
1: You know, all this talk about how we played these games as a child, I feel like it would be super funny for us to uh, like, find, find a picture of each of us from when we were, I don't know, what were we, like 10 years old when the, we were playing these games? I, I would say I, about I, that
0: age, yeah, at least.
1: I want to, and I hope this doesn't come off as creepy, Steve. I really, this isn't, that's not where I'm going, but All I'd right. like to have like, I'd like to have a 10 year old picture of Steven that I can just look at when, when we record.
0: I bet you, I, could, I bet you money. I could find <laughs> us a, a picture of me holding my current day N64 controllers somewhere. Yeah.
1: I'm, oh, I, I love that. I'm, I'm actively texting my mom right now to see if that's hilarious. Uh, she can provide some a a nice solid I'll make sure I'll make sure we find one that where I'm looking real good
0: and and I'll send that over to you love it I love it um (laughs) so I'm gonna go on and uh want to talk a little bit about modern appeal um we've talked a lot about the first game and honestly it's in playability so we don't need to rehash that anymore but I do think in terms of current day I actually think I personally would play either the second or the third one anytime. I even find myself sitting here. I'm like, you know what? If I had people over, I'd I'd have them like, let's play some Rush, you know? So I actually think both the second and the third for me are very replayable in today's day and age. Um, I would admit, though, that I only think the vast majority of people would find the third game, you know, regularly replayable. But to me, the second game... Still does have a lot of the feel of the first game in terms of how it played, where I still enjoyed it, you know, because they had the added uh, benefit of having better visualizations and making it a much crisper game. So, kind of having just a crisper visualization, uh, really fun, loose, entertaining sound design, um, and you know, that same touch that the game I grew up playing has, I I loved it and I would replay it, but I would, I would definitely understand and get why people would only choose to look at the third.
1: Yeah, I I get that because the, the second game, although is, I would say is lesser than the third game in almost every way. If you have the nostalgia factor of the first game, the second game allows you to vicariously live that nostalgia factor through a game that is objectively better. And exactly. Way.
0: It, it, it it just fits so much better. Like if, if you like that first game, the actual touch of it, because I feel like the touch of the first game was still very similar to the second. And, um, the third game, you're right. It just, it, it just, it jumped leaps, in, it leaps and bounds, you know, um, in terms of development. So it had a whole different feel to it.
1: Yeah. The, I'd say the only thing in terms of modern appeal that, that the the first game brought to the table was the ability to adjust the laps, the difficulty settings, number of players, and, and all, all those all those types of settings go a long way in, in customizing the game to you know whatever kind of experience you're trying to have. So at, at least the first game has that, and thankfully it carried over through the the rest of the games for sure. And uh, you know there we've we've beaten the, the dead horse in terms of how the games have improved graphically and sonically throughout the series as each game was released and how the controls got better. Uh, and you know, the addition of the stunt tracks and things like that. And I'd say the second game is sec is certainly playable. And it, I would say is an objectively good racing game, but Yeah. San Francisco Rush 2049 is just, it's a, it's a legitimately good racing game. It, it looks, sounds, and feels better. You got the vehicle customization, which adds tons of variety.
0: I think with those features, it could really add to a current realistic catalog of racing games you would want to play today. Like those features to me is basically what they do in in most racing games now, obviously to a much larger extent. But, you know, being able to change, like, you know, the suspension or whatever, I forget exactly what the category name is, but, like, getting to change the elements of the car, um, I do think is a very modern touch to an old game. Yeah, Agreed. All right. All right. I think it's about time now that we actually give you our overall grading, each of our gradings of this particular game series as a whole. Um, Rob, what what was your overall score for this game, Uh, taking into account every single one of our categories? um, What did you give it out of five? What was your final score?
1: I gave this game out of five a 3.2.
0: Oh, nice. That's, you know, that's a, that's a stronger, um, stronger number than I thought. So that's, that's good to hear, especially from someone not as into, uh, racing games as their normal play game. Yeah. I
1: honestly, I was looking at the 3.2 and I'm like, I think that's too high. But then I was looking at all the, uh, the, I was looking at all of our different categories and I was like, I don't think I would change anything. I, I thought about changing things. And I'm like, no, I
0: guess 3.2 is, is how I feel. And you know what? It makes sense because even your tone to me is very middle of the road. And I do feel like that number is, is a very middle of the road number. Yes. For me, I actually went ahead and graded this, uh, this bad Larry, a 3.7. Um, I do have a little bias here, you know, just in terms of growing up with this game and loving this game. But I do think objectively seeing the growth of the game in particular throughout the first, second and third rush games, um, It did actually make me enjoy it much more because, you know, I I freely admit going back and and playing the game that I loved growing up is actually quite terrible. Uh, But the second (laughs) game pulls me in really well with that little bit of nostalgia. But additionally, too, it's just a good improvement. And then the third game to me is a legitimate racing game I would love to play today. So I think for me, a 3.7 is a is a strong indicator of how I feel about this game. Our overall rating, if you take the two scores into account, so here we would give it a rating of 3.4 total scoring, which I think really hits a middle of the road review. Would you say, Rob?
1: Yeah, 3.4. I, I think that is a accurate representation of how good this game is. Uh, you know, it's if you've played every other racing game on the console and you're looking for something new, specifically Rush 2049. I'd say that stacks up with a lot of the other B tier racing games. For
0: Without sure. a doubt. And I definitely think it uh I think a lot of games of that era would definitely get that of this style. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the end of another episode of the N64U podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like us on Facebook We are N64U, a gaming podcast page, or follow us on Instagram for all of our latest updates and announcements.
1: And don't forget to subscribe and rate slash review us on your favorite podcasting app, which will keep you up to date on our latest episodes and help us reach more lovely people such as yourself. And if you have any questions or comments, please shoot us an email at n 64 upodcastgmailcom
0: at gmail.com, and we'll read it out on the show. This is Rob and Steve signing off from your home for all things N64U at the N64U Podcast. Thanks
1: for listening. I'd like to have a 10 year old picture of Steven that I can just look at.